You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So I want to preface, preface what I'm going to say with, I have not been sick in two years. Like I refuse to get Corona. I, I refuse to, I'm like not happening. So I haven't had one thing in two years. And then freaking Wednesday, my throat starts hurting. I'm like, what is this? And uh, so it's kind of knocked me out a little bit. I can't hear that well. And um, I, I, uh, if you know me at all, you know that I'm, I'm really passionate when I'm speaking and talking about church and the house of God and who God is. And uh, so I'm going to try to be as, as much as I can. But having that little cold, which is not Corona, I just want to preface that. Uh, I refuse to get that. I still refuse to get it. And so I'm, I'm free from that. But speaking of, I hate it, right? I hate Corona. I hate it. I hate it because it has stolen a lot of big things from us, but also a lot of little things that we took for granted, like sneezing. Dude, like, okay, I loved a good sneeze. Like, there was nothing like, whoo, you just feel so free. Is anybody with me? Like the people that try to hold it, hold it in, I'm like, dude, don't hold it in. Let it go. Let it out. There was nothing like a good sneeze. Now, I can't sneeze around people. If I have to sneeze, I have to run away because people might think I'm killing grandmas. I literally cannot clear my throat around people. Oh, you got something. Like, okay. It's those little things it has stolen from us. These little things I enjoy. Dude, people come into our coffee shop still crying just because we let them come in without a mask on. Like, imagine that. Like, you're crying because you don't have to wear a mask. What has our world come to? Anyways, so I freaking hate it. That's why I refuse to get it. I refuse to say that I have it because it's stupid. I just have the, the cold. Speaking of which, if I went two years without getting that stupid thing and now I just got a little cold, how powerful is it really? You know what I mean? Anyways. Okay. Sorry. I had to go on a tangent. All right. Let me tell you a story. Um, the title of this message today is called Forget Not. Forget Not. I want to tell you a story about first impressions. All of us only get one first impression. Um, everybody knows that. So years ago in our church, my wife and I, who actually I forgot to honor, I honored her last service by telling everybody that she put me in the buddy zone when we were um, together. Um, so little, uh, yeah, little story. I fell in love with my wife from first sight, asked her out that day. She turned me down multiple times, um, put me in the, in the, in the friend zone. But then I feel like there's the friend zone. And then there's, I call you buddy zone is right over here. Like I was so far out my chances of winning her over. Like I was way over here, but I didn't quit. You know what I mean? Like I am not a quitter. I'm like, I will wear you down. 
she's amazing. She is the reason with God that I'm here today doing what I'm doing, that I didn't quit or move or leave. She has constantly encouraged me and strengthened me. She's amazing. She is really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> she's almost as tall as I am too. So, okay. So first impression. So uh, years ago, my wife and I were campus pastors at the Bressy Ranch campus. And uh, we had a couple coming to our church that we got to know and were friends with them and they loved us. Well, it happened that he got sick. And when he got sick, he um, passed away. When he passed away, uh, his wife came up to me and said, hey, we would love it if you would do the funeral. And so I said, absolutely. I would love to do the funeral to her face is what I said. And then I went away and I called everybody. I called Pastor John, Pastor Jurgen, Pastor Stacy. I said, Pastor Stacy, hey, she was leading pastoral care at that time. What do we got for funerals? Like, what's the outline? What do I do? At this time in our church, we didn't have a funeral. Nobody had died yet in our church. And they asked me to do this funeral. So I, uh, Pastor Stacy, what do you got? Pastoral care, you got to have an outline or some kind of thing. She goes, no, we don't. But when you get yours, could you send it to me? I'm like, dude, this is messed up. Weddings and funerals freak me out more than anything else because you only get one shot. Only get one shot at somebody's funeral. You know what I mean? I can't screw that up. So I'm so nervous. I go over to her house and she's talking to me about the, what's happening and, and the service that they want to do and what we're going to say and who's going to speak. And she's talking to me about all that. And then she says, well, then we're going to go to the gravesite. And, and do the, the gravesite and the last viewing or whatever. And she says, and when we get there, well, you know what to do. <laughs> and all I'm thinking is, no, I don't. I got no idea what to do. I can't get no help from anybody. I promise to God, this is the truth. On the day, I am Googling what to say at a gravesite thing. Because I got no clue. So we go through the whole service and, and it's good. Like I'm good at giving people hope and courage and, and remembering their loved one. And then we go out to the gravesite. And again, I'm, I'm, I promise I'm not lying. I'm on Google walking out to the gravesite. And all I can find is Catholic stuff. Like ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I'm like, where is the holy water? I don't know what to do. I find the guy who works there who works there, who sees these things every day, all day. I'm like, bro, help me out. What do you say? He's like, oh, I don't know. Like, look, dude, you work here. So I get there and it's hot outside and I get there and I stand in front and they have the whole dug and, and the gentleman who's amazing is right behind me. I'm almost leaning up against him. And Everybody comes and sits down under this kind of umbrella type of thing. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know how to do this properly. So why don't I just, you know, try to break the ice with a joke? <laughs> Which, dude, at a funeral is definitely not the best idea. But I learned from our pastors. <laughs> so I'm like, let me just start with, you know, I'll break the ice. See how this goes. So everybody's sitting there, and again, the, their father, grandfather, husband is behind me. They're about to say goodbye for the last time. So I get up there, I look at everybody, and I say, hey, thank you for coming out here. Um, it's really hot out here, so I'll be really quick. I don't want anybody to die. <laughs> and all I'm thinking in my head is, 
except, you know, the, your dead dad behind me. So needless to say, after that moment, thank you for not laughing that hard, by the way. It's never a good idea to make a dead guy joke at a funeral. You know what I mean? It doesn't go over so well. All I remember is after that moment, I had to say every verse I had memorized and that's all I knew what to do. And then I just booked it and I took off out of there. I was gone. So anyways, you only get one first impression with people. That's the moral of the story. But um, a little while ago, and this is where I'm going to get into my message. A little while ago, I, uh, about three years ago, my wife and I walked through some crazy stuff, basically, where we were, we were full-time on staff here is what we did every day, all day. It was freaking awesome. We loved it. And then kind of uh, through a series of events, we stopped doing that. And that to me was one of the most hardest things to walk through and to go through because I knew that this and building this was the greatest thing I could do with my life. And I felt like, and I told him, I felt like I'm getting pulled out of a fight and I don't know how to handle it. So I remember at that moment after that took place, I went to God and there's a little place by my house. That's this old battlefield. And I went up there and I'm like, dude, God, what's happening right now? Like I'm messed up. I need help. I need you to speak to me. I need you to minister to me. What's happening? And I remember after being there for a while, God spoke to me. And this was a long time ago. God spoke to me. He said, listen, I'm taking you through this journey and I'm reminding you of who I am again. Basically, he said, is I'm giving you a new first impression of who I am. All of us get one first impression with each other, but God gets one every day. You can see God in a new way today, tomorrow, the next day. There are new facets, and, facets and, and, and characteristics of God that you and I do not know that God wants to show you today. This message in a series that we're in right now is all about us being grateful and thankful for God and who we are and what's happening in our world. But to me, in order for me to be grateful and thankful, I have to remember what God has brought me through. I have to remember how good God is to me and how good God is for me. I have to remember what, what he's done in my world and done in my life. And for me, when I walk through that hardest part of my life, God said, I'm going to remind you who I am again. Because before that, I knew God as the lion of the tribe of Judah, like the Bible says. But God says, I'm about to show you that I'm also the lamb that was slain. How many of us know one aspect of God, but not every aspect? How many of us know that God is the all-powerful, the God that can break down the walls of Jericho, but he is also the God that makes us lie down in green pastures? How many of us, like me, just know the fighting side of God, but not the holding and the gentle and the cuddling side of God? The side of God that he just wants to embrace you and tell you how awesome you are, how amazing you are. God took me through that journey because he said, you, you only know me in this way, but I'm about to show you in this way. Let me have the band come out. If you guys could. And so this message, forget not, is all about us remembering who he is and how to remember so that in this season of our life, we can continue to be grateful. We can continue to be thankful. Let me read this Psalms in Psalm 77. It's a man basically being vulnerable with all of us. He says, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice. And he gave ear to me in the day of my trouble. I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. 
My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? This is a vulnerable moment this guy's having right now. Like, dude, God, where are you at? And he says this like so many of us, like I have as well. He says this, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased? Has his promise failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Basically, where is God? Is he still good? Is he still for me? Is he still believe in me? Is he still the God that I read about? Is he still the God of the miraculous? This man like you and me have had those moments. God, are you still here? Are you still around? Are you still believing in what I have to do? He says this out loud, but then the next verse goes on. It says, and I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember. He goes on and talks about, he will remember how good God is. He says, I will remember what God did to the Egyptians when the Israelites were crossing the Red Sea and how he parted the sea, how he brought water from heaven. I will remember the, the majestic works, what God did. I will remember how splendid he is, how strong he is, how glorious he is, how he led the children of Israel through the desert. I will remember because in remembering, I am strengthened. In remembering, I am grateful. In remembering, I am thankful. How many of us today have forgotten what God did in our lives? How many of us walk in here and we take for granted the seat we sit in because we, we stop remembering what God took us out of? And that's what this is about. This message today is a journey that I have gone through. It is my story over the last three years because I love God. But he had to take me back to why I love him, to why I'll die for him, to why I'll give him my everything, to why a CBS per person interviewed me and said, hey, if you stand up and if, if they attempt to arrest you and find you, are you willing? I said, absolutely, I'm willing. Absolutely, I'm willing. Why? Because I believe in something. God wants to take you on that journey so that if somebody comes and tries to lock you up for what you believe in, you're like, come on, handcuff me and throw away the keys. Let's go. Because I had a journey and God reminded me of where I came from. What does God want to do in our lives today? Psalms 20 says, some trust in chariots or some in horses. And the NIV says, but we trust in the Lord. But the New King James Version says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we remember. We remember the name of the Lord because remembering is the key to unlocking the trust, to unlocking the hope, to unlocking my faith 
to unlocking what I believe in, remembering what he did for you, helps me to have faith in what he wants to do for me, remembering the miracle that he did for you, remembering the healing that he did in your life. When I need a miracle, I think about the miracle he did in your life, and I take that and say, God, you did it for them. Would you do it for me? There's a man named Jairus in the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus was preaching by the, by the river, by the sea, in the town of Capernaum, which we visited. It's not that big. We went there. And Jesus is teaching. The Bible says that Jairus ran up to him. He's a ruler of a synagogue of the church, basically. Ran up to Jesus, pushed through the crowd, said, Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is sick. If you would just come with me, lay your hands on her, she will live. Jesus gets up and on his way, he gets distracted by another miracle. After he does that miracle, the, the ruler of the synagogue servants come to Jesus and come to the ruler, Jairus, and say, don't worry about coming. Don't bother the teacher anymore. The little girl is dead. Jesus looks at Jairus and says, do not, do not fear, only hope, only believe. He goes to the, the house of Jairus. He lays his hands on the little girl. The little girl that was dead comes to life again. And that miracle moves me. But what moves me more is why Jairus knew to ask God to go to Jesus, to say, hey, all you got to do is lay your hands on her and she will live. How did he have faith for that? How did he believe for that? What happened in his world that made him say, all I got to do is go to Jesus. All I got to do is find him. All I got to do is get to him. Because if he shows up in my world, my daughter will live. So I looked. And a few chapters before that in Mark, the, the whole story takes place in Mark. A few chapters before that, the Bible says that Jesus was in the synagogue. And he was teaching and preaching and ministering. And out of the back came a man, the Bible says, with a crippled hand. He could not use it. Dysfunctional. And he came to Jesus, and Jesus says, stretch out your hand. So the man stretches out his hand, and what was lame becomes whole. And that miracle is awesome. But I think that miracle is in there for the miracle that's about to take place. There was a crowd watching Jesus and watching the man stretch his hand out and become whole. In that crowd was Jairus. In that synagogue, Jairus was the ruler. I can imagine him sitting back and watching, never seeing anything like this, never seeing a miracle take place. And he looks and a man comes and stretches out his hand and something changes inside of him. For the first time, he feels that God is not just some, some deity out there, but he's a real live person in the flesh. For the first time, he feels actual faith rise up on the inside of him. So as soon as his daughter gets sick, he remembers the miracle that took place to somebody that was not his. And he uses that faith. And he takes it to Jesus. And with the faith of you did it for them, do it for me. How do I remember how good God is? By looking at your stories and your miracles and your breakthroughs and your homes and your territories and your babies that were born when everybody said they couldn't be born. I take every single one of those and I take them with me because when I need them, I'm going to pull from your miracle. I'm going to pull from your strength. I'm going to pull from your breakthrough. 
I'm going to pull from what God did in your life. And maybe you're in here and you say, I need a, I need a financial miracle. Then find somebody who's got it and take it and walk with you to the feet of Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's marriage struggles. Take my miracle in my marriage. Take it. Walk it with you to the throne room of God and say, God, I'm taking their miracle and their faith and I'm believing that you can do the same for me. Can we remember how good he is? His miracle working power. That's why I say, the seat you sit in, paid for. Paid for with money, with tears, with people lifting their hands during the book of miracles for years. Say, God, I believe. And then finally it happened. You sit in a seat of breakthrough. So get it today. Whoops. I, uh, sorry. Let me say this kind of last little segment. I remember through other people's miracles, but I remember through loss. I remember for what it used to be, what I've lost along the way. I remember how good it is because at one point I didn't have it. I used to preach a lot of messages and a lot of times when I'd be writing my message, God would show up so big and would move and I would, I would be moved so much. Sometimes I'd cry. Sometimes I'd just sit there and just sit in his presence because he was giving me a word that he wanted to give to other people. And it moved me so much. But to be honest with you, a few years ago, I lost that. I lost it. It was gone. And God had to take me through a journey to get that back, to get that feeling back. Moses shows up to God and God is speaking to Moses. And God says, you will go and my presence will go with you. And Moses says back to God, if your presence doesn't go, I don't want to. If your presence isn't with me, I don't want to go. I remember this moment in my life, but I learned to remember how good God was by what I lost. Remember what it's like to sit in his presence and be so consumed with his goodness that you can't do anything but just stay there. Remember what it's like because just over a year ago on a Wednesday night when this church opened back up, do you remember what it's like to walk in here and lift your hands up with hundreds of other people and say, you're not gonna take my shout, my voice, my faith, my worship. I remember how good God is because at one point we lost that. At one point we couldn't worship. At one point they were trying to take the gathering of us together. It is so precious to me because at one point I didn't have it. Do we remember what it was like to live without God? Do we remember what our life was like without him? 
Because if we're numb today, if I'm numb and if I'm going through the motions, maybe it's because I just forgot. I forgot what my life was like before he pulled me out of that mess. I forgot what my world was like before he rescued me. That's why I said, you cannot drag me out of this church, out of this house. Because I forgot. And God reminded me. He reminded me how good he was. He reminded me that he's still for me. He reminded me that he still loves me. He reminded me that even when I thought that I couldn't be used by him, he reminded me that he still had plans for me. Gratitude, thankfulness. It's not just a time of the year, but it's a lifestyle that we live. Man, every time I come into church, man, I'm so thankful for this house. Because at one point I didn't have it. I'm so thankful for his worship. Because at one point I didn't feel like worshiping. I'm so thankful for his power. Because at one point I didn't have it. I'm so thankful for his goodness. Because at one point I couldn't feel it. I'm so thankful for what he's doing in me. Because at one point I didn't feel that. I'm so thankful for the miracle that God is doing in your life. Because at one point he wasn't doing it. I'm so thankful for his goodness. Just close your eyes, bow your head where you're at today. I remember how desperately he loves me. What are you walking through today? What are you going through? What do you need to be reminded of? I want to ask you in the last couple minutes we have left, if you're in here today, if you need to be reminded of who your Savior is, who died for you, restored you and rescued you, and you want to give your life to Him today. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you feel like you lost it and you just need to come back. Maybe you've never known his goodness before. And today you need to. If you want to give your life to Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up where you are so our team can see you and so we can take care of you after this moment. If that's you this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to come back to him, I want you to lift your hands. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hands up nice and high. Awesome. Keep them up. I know there's more. Get your life right back with God. I know there are those who have been in this church for a long time, but you know right now there's something moving in your heart because you feel that. You feel like, should I, shouldn't I? I don't know. But you need to lift your hands up. Come on, keep your hands up nice and high this morning. So proud of every single one of you. Thank you, God. Keep your hands up while I pray for you. God, I thank you for every hand that is lifted up. I thank you, Jesus, for you moving on their life and moving in their world. I thank you that at this moment right now, you are reminding them of your goodness. Reminding them of your faithfulness. Reminding them of your miracle working power. Of how majestic your name is. How magnificent your presence is. I thank you that they're coming back to you is now their story. Let them never forget how good you are to them. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we all stand to our feet? Let me just pray for everybody. Before I do that, if you lifted your hand up, right over here to my left and your right is a response lounge. We have people that desperately want to connect with you, give you a gift, because the most important step after this one is the next step, which happens over there to meet with you. If you lifted your hand up at the end of the service, see them for a couple minutes. The best people in our church are over there that want to pray with you and get to know you and help you with the next step and next journey in your life. But I just want to pray just for one minute for every person in here. Because I believe if we can grab a hold of what it means to remember who God is, we can see some miracles happen. So just lift your hands up. God, I thank you that even though I forgot you, you never forgot me. Even though at some points we walked away from you, you never walked away from us. Even though sometimes we were faithless towards you, you were still faithful towards us. God, I pray for a reminder today of remembering an encounter with you, how good your presence is, how great your name is, how wonderful you are. For those that need a miracle, let them grab a hold of something today. Let a miracle take place this morning. Move in this house. Move in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.